everyone, and welcome back to the Easy Speak podcast. This is episode number two, and I'm your host, Dr. Reed Taylor. On this show, I'll have an opportunity to respond to a question that came in from a young educator in New Jersey after she listened to the first episode of this podcast. But I'd like to make a small correction concerning information that I gave in the first episode of this program. You may remember that I made a request for questions and comments you might have about children and communication disorders. However, there is one change that I need to address. Instead of using the email address that I supplied on the October 2009 program, simply click the comments link on the Easy Speak podcast homepage for this show. That will be the easiest way to get questions and comments to me. I'd like to thank all of you who have given me such positive feedback about the show. Your encouraging words are deeply appreciated. Now, let's take a look at the question that was sent in to me by a young teacher who heard the October 2009 podcast. Ms. Cara Russo of New Jersey writes, quote, Great podcast. This is my first experience with one, and I really enjoyed it. As a special educator... What speech disorders are most prevalent in my classroom? Well, thank you very much, Ms. Russo, for your enthusiasm about this podcast, and you asked a good question. There are numerous types of speech and language disorders that you are likely to see in the classroom. The ones most prevalent will often depend upon the type of disability that your students present with. For example, in certain classrooms where your children with autism are educated, I might expect certain types of communication problems to manifest. In classes where children with Down syndrome are being educated, I would expect still other types of communication problems to present. In general, however, there are certain types of speech-language problems that one tends to see rather often in the special education setting. Now, in preparation for today's show, I did some research into the issue of the incidence and prevalence of communication disorders within the pediatric population. In fact, the figures that I will be reporting today have been compiled by Ms. Andrea Castro-Giovanni for ASHA's Incidence and Prevalence of Communication Disorders and Hearing Loss in Children. This is the 2008 edition, and this is a report that is based upon a review of numerous research studies. In a 2006 schools survey report that examined caseload characteristics, it was found that approximately 91% of the SLPs surveyed served the needs of children presenting with phonological and articulation disorders. Now, when I speak of a phonological disorder, I am referring to children who have difficulty combining or sequencing the sounds of a language in order to produce intelligible words, phrases, and sentences. They have speech that is difficult for listeners to understand. About 80% of those children who have a phonological disorder are so severely affected that listeners may have a tough time comprehending what the child is trying to say. Many of these kids, about 50 to 70%, also require remedial work through grade 12 because of general academic weaknesses. Children with phonological disorders are known to also present with problems in developing reading, writing, spelling, 
and math skills. Another communication problem that you are likely to come across in the classroom is rather surprising to most people, and it's rather common among school-aged children. Voice disorders affect how the child's voice sounds with regard to pitch, quality, resonance, and volume. Pediatric voice disorders can have many causes, including actual growths on the vocal folds within the larynx. Many children experience voice disorders secondary to vocal misuse and vocal abuse, such as excessive throat clearing, screaming, crying, even singing at a pitch that is too high, or singing too loudly over an extended period of time. In fact, no speech-language pathologist will provide therapy to a child or adult unless he or she receives medical clearance from an appropriate physician, such as an ENT or ear-nose-throat specialist. That's because some pediatric voice disorders are caused by medical conditions that need to be treated by a physician prior to intervention by an SLP. Also, some of those medical causes of a voice disorder can actually be life-threatening. About 29% of the surveyed SLPs reported that they have worked with children who have disorders of voice or resonance. A rather common vocal quality disorder among children is hoarseness, with a reported occurrence of about 6 to 23%. Some school-aged children present with fluency disorders affecting the smoothness, the rate, and rhythm of their speech. Stuttering is by far the most common disorder affecting fluency. Approximately 69% of the school SLPs reported that they worked with children having a fluency disorder. Stuttering, which affects about 4% to 5% of the population, is a fascinating speech disorder that affects more males than females, with boys tending to have more co-occurring speech disorders as well, such as articulation and phonology disorders. Of childhood onset, stuttering usually manifests initially somewhere between the child's second and fourth birthdays. Now, children who have an impairment involving the comprehension and or use of spoken and or written symbols are said to have a language impairment. Some of these kids have difficulty understanding what is said to them. This is referred to as a receptive language problem. Some have problems using words and sentences to express their thoughts, wants, and desires. This is referred to as an expressive language problem. Many young children have impairments in affecting both receptive and expressive language. In particular, a receptive language impairment that is in the moderate to severe range of severity can be predictive of academic and social problems that are long-lasting. And although the more severely language-impaired child is likely to be identified prior to beginning school, many others are not flagged until they are already in school and experiencing academic failure. Often, it is the observant classroom teacher who notices a language problem and makes a referral to the child study team or directly to the school SLP. In fact, it is estimated that language problems among preschool children is about 2 to 19 percent. 
Now, there is a type of language disorder that I want you to be especially vigilant for. It is referred to as specific language impairment, also known as SLI. Typically, children with SLI manifest language maturation that lags behind their chronological age by approximately 12 months. Oddly, these children do not present with any sensory disorder, pervasive developmental disorder, or any other social-emotional condition that might explain the child's difficulty with language development. About 7% of children have SLI, and they also may have motor problems, attention deficit, and problems developing reading skills. About 61% of SLPs have reported that they have worked with children diagnosed with SLI. Good, competent, observant classroom teachers really are worth their weight in gold when it comes to helping children with communication challenges. Children who have problems with stuttering, voice disorders, difficulty pronouncing and or sequencing the sounds of the language, and language impairments affecting how well they understand others and express their own thoughts can have a severe impact upon the young child's self-esteem, social, and academic growth. In particular, a language disorder can impede the child's ability to engage in meaningful social interactions with age mates and adults. He may have problems understanding what others say to him. His ability to problem-solve may be impaired. He may have difficulties expressing himself using oral language and printed symbols. This child may also have problems developing reading comprehension skills. It should come as no surprise to teachers that children who have impairments affecting spoken language also tend to have impairments of literacy skills as oral language serves as a foundation for both reading and writing. Good communication skills are critical for learning. Impaired communication skills present a huge obstacle to the child's ability to learn. If you suspect that your student may have a problem affecting speech and language, seek help immediately from your SLP. In this way, the proper assessment can be administered and appropriate interventions can be designed for the specific needs of your student. In the next episode of the Easy Speak podcast, I'll share some information with you about some of the specific symptoms of a language disorder that teachers and parents should be on the lookout for in the classroom and at home. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about any one or more of the topics mentioned in this episode, send them to me by clicking the comments button on the home page for this podcast. Thank you for listening and thank you, Ms. Russo, for your question. And I'll see you at the next episode. Take care now. Bye bye.